Dan's Drive-In Double Feature presents The Last Slumber Party Minute, a minute-by-minute podcast covering Steven Tyler's The Last Slumber Party, copyright 1988. Your host, Daniel R. Budnick. You can call him Dan. Now, listen to this. Episode 65, Minute 65. Oh, everyone, it's Dan. We are winding down. Dr. Sickler has been called back to the hospital because Mr. I don't remember his name anymore. Randalls has escaped. It's our cuckoo bird has escaped. So he's heading back, and the previous minute ended with him finally seeing the ladder, finally seeing the guy's car, and he was getting into his car on his own. Let's see where this next minute... Let's see what he discovers in this next minute. Glorious, wonderful things. The world around him. Enjoy. official chris is caught in a boone well film she's caught in the exterminating angel uh, i guess maybe as long as no no that doesn't actually uh jibe with the rest of the the thing ever since she entered the house so long ago she has not been able to leave it she can go down the driveway a little bit well you notice in that scene when she kind of goes down the driveway that the um uh that uh things get a little weird when she's on the driveway like the way she sees stuff and doors closing and things like that i think that's like the house like bringing her back in to it because chris can no longer leave <laughs> oh sorry one <clears throat> i was having a little beer it's pretty good beer um yeah we're getting near the end of the movie i can't have i can't have a little drink um don't judge uh, so what's uh, yeah what's what happens in this minute? Well yeah, Doctor Sickler drives away, and then we get a um, an interesting shot. First off, the, the that street is very deserted. There are no cars parked out on the street. There doesn't seem to be anyone else. I don't see any movement of any kind. It's like a post-apocalyptic. <gasps> Some sort of post-apocalyptic. No, it's not post-apocalyptic because at the end of the minute we see the doc go into an elevator. Mm, okay, yeah, elevators are the first thing. You you know, in case of apocalypse, use the stairs. Don't use the elevators. Uh, you're on your own with the escalators. You don't want to get to the top of those things where those platforms are and have them drop out underneath you and you drop into the workings. That's the, the last thing you want to have happen once the apocalypse has hit. But what is happening? Oh, yeah, so, so yeah, it's an interesting shot because, yeah, the, the, the camera's just on the uh, other side of the street and Dr. Sickler backs out and he drives away and then the camera slowly pans up 
to the house, the house up to the window, up to Linda's window, and then all of a sudden, Chris is in there, and she kind of sticks her hand out like, help me, and, but she kind of pulls, this is another thing, watch the way she kind of leans out like she's going to give like a, hey, and lean way out there, but she kind of goes, ah, and then she doesn't make any sound, and she kind of pulls herself back in like she's hitting, like I think there's like this Chris-related force field around the wall that she can't get out. Maybe all of them, maybe all of them got it. That's how Billy getting dropped out the window ended up hanging by the the thing that's how that's how scott never left that's why scott stayed there for like six hours or something without anyone actually acknowledging his presence that's how linda keeps like moving from one section of the house to another you think she's dead she's not she's over here she's over there that makes sense the laws of reality have gone once this killer enters the house the tricky thing of course is that at the end of the minute the killer's no longer in the house that doesn't mean his reign of terror is over. Because uh, the way, yeah, because you see Chris do that, and then you see Chris going down the steps, those awful, wonderful black and white wallpapered steps where the, the, the footage uh, looks a thousand times worse than the rest of the footage. And then you see, on very similar looking footage, Dr. Sickler stop an elevator from closing. He steps in the elevator, and you see the killer's in the corner. And the minute ends with the killer putting, slapping his hand over Dr. Sickler's mouth and putting the scalpel along the neck, and he's about to. Uh, he will shortly, and it'll be painful for Dr. Sickler. Oh, well, folks. Oh, gosh. Well, that's that. Hmm. I didn't mean... I talked very fast right there. I think it was the beer. Let me let me see if... Let me have another sip of beer. Maybe a second beer, second sip will slow you down. Ah, that's good. No, a second, second sip, um, I don't think it slowed me down. But, yeah, we are... We're here for... I like the concept that we can go back now and see that the killer... Has I bet there's something in that's why they were trying to go after his brain. I bet because he has he's the sender, he looks a little like the guy who's the sender, kind of. You know, what's his name? I forget. He played Roland in the first season episode of the X Files. Um, I forget the actor's name, uh, but maybe, yeah, maybe he's like the sender and he, he's doing all this. Although it is, it is interesting that Chris is the final girl when this is about him taking his revenge on Dr. Sickler's family. Almost like maybe he, he got the wrong memo, you know, or, or something. And, and he's like, oh, the redhead. That's Dr. Sickler's wife. Okay. I will save her for last. Um, he could have looked at some family photos and stuff. There are probably some around the house that he could have checked out. But yeah, he's, um, yeah, the killer is. So, so let's try just tracing the tra trajectory. Dr. Sickler gets home. He heads upstairs to get the foam. We see the killer dragging a body around. Dr. Sickler gets the call. Within less than two minutes, he's back outside. So what must have happened is the killer must have known that call was about him. So he snuck and maybe hid in the trunk or hid in the back seat of Dr. Dr. Sickler. Left. The door was wide open. He must have climbed. He must be in the back seat. He must have climbed into the back seat and Dr. Sickler, who's exhausted and just is just now noticing the car parked in the driveway that's not, you know, his family's in the ladder up against the side of his house, would never have looked in the back seat to see if there was a killer there, specifically because he was just told that he had escaped. Now that makes sense. Okay, so the killer drags this body, hides this body, hopefully doesn't go over the glass that Dr. Sickler left on the floor in the kitchen, and then maybe, maybe hit the body and kind of snuck up the stairs a bit and was like, 
oh my gosh, here's what's going on, snuck back down, sneaked back down the stairs, hid in the back of the car, left the door open accidentally, and Dr. Sickler is distracted from the fact that the door is open by the fact that all this stuff is around here. Yes, and then he drives away, but Chris, like the rest of the kids, can't leave. He can't get out of the house. Uh, she can't get out of the house. And so she she's, although you just get that one shot and her going down some steps, that, that shot of her going down some steps could be from any time. Yeah, and then it looks like Dr. Sickler is going to get his throat cut in the elevator. So then he, Dr. Sickler parks his car, gets out of his car, and then the killer goes to the elevator that he knows Dr. Sickler is going to use so he can kill him in there. That's all makes sense. It all makes sense. I want to get to the next minute and see what's going on. I'm sorry to cut us off a little early here, folks, but listen.